Hey everybody, it's Nick. Looks like I'm going to be by myself again tonight, so that's going to be a real fun episode for everybody, I'm pretty sure. So, um, I'll, okay, let's just uh, start from the beginning. Welcome to It's Too Wordy, the comic book podcast where two, three, sometimes five or six friends get together and talk about comic books, movies, games, and other nerdy stuff from their childhood and today. I like most of you guys know, don't have a lot of time to read the comics that are not on our list of stuff to read for the week. Um, Ryan gave me a phone call earlier today and he said he's not going to be here tonight. And I was like, oh shit, because I've read only the books that we had picked out for this week. So this could be either a really short episode today or a really in-depth look at one book. Uh, probably going to be really short unless everybody comes on and decides that they want to ask questions or find out what's going on with the show. One thing I would want to say, thank you to all our Patreon folks because you guys helped us pay our bills for another year. So we will be out creating episodes every week, sometimes twice a week. Depends on what we want to do live shows, role-playing stuff, who knows? I mean, I have so many plans that are in my head, and I was talking to Ryan about it last week, that I have plans for everything. Because if you go back and you look at the roll die backlog, there is so much weird stuff out there. There, there was so much stuff that I was trying to do because my brain does not stop at one thing. Like, if it has an idea, it just wants to do it. Right, so there's Beyond Supernatural, there's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there's Ghostbusters, there's the Broken Fantasy movie reviews, there is the Podcast Music Music Podcast, there is so much stuff that, oh, and uh, Angry Game Night with Sonya, there, this, and the old radio play episodes, just so much stuff that there is in my head that I want to get out. And yeah, um, if you guys want me to put those on separate feeds, which would probably make our numbers go up, then people can find the Hunting Timothy podcast or the old Haunted Log Midnight Theater presents stuff. Um, really want to appreciate, like, send my appreciation out to everybody who's helped me, everybody who listens, um, because. Like I said, my brain does not stop. It wants to create. So I have eight different creative hobbies that I need to focus down onto one, maybe two. Um, my photography is picking up. That's really cool. And I really appreciate everybody who's asked me to take pictures for them. And I cannot believe some of the stuff that's coming in the future for that. Uh, I'm rebuilding a 65 Mustang since I was 15. It's just been a slow process, thanks to my stepfather, who was never around to help me out or to ever learn how to rebuild a car. So I'm having to learn that by myself. So I'm teaching myself auto mechanics. I'm teaching myself how to podcast. I'm teaching myself just everything. Like, it's insane how much stuff I have going on. Um, so let's get into one comic today right so 
you guys know also that I am incredibly cheap when it comes to comics. I don't like spending over 20 bucks. I mean, the only thing I've ever spent more than 20 bucks on was 50 bucks for the original appearance of Wolverine. That was it. I spent 50 bucks on it and it's not in the best shape, but it's still, I still own it. So that's good. Um, I spent a dollar on the 35 cent edition of star Wars. Number one, can't believe I found it for a buck. I don't like spending a lot of money on comics. It just doesn't make any sense, especially new stuff. I mean, if it's over normal cover price of $4, I am pretty much never going to pick it up. If you're saying that I have to buy a book for $10 and it's supposed to be this great thing, I'm not doing it. I don't care. I mean, I did it last time for the sham comics, which for me, kind of weird, you know, $10 for a book not something that's going to happen because all it's going to do is it's going to live in a box or it's going to live in a shelf. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like it. So I picked up this book for a quarter. I can't believe I found this book for a quarter. It is the shield from mighty comics. Number 48 from 1967. Oh my God. I, I, I have the graphic novel of the Archie's, the shield probably from like 2000 where it was from world war two. This one is the original shield's son. Right. And apparently he's out of work. So this is, this is about the time where everybody had to have problems. You know, Peter Parker was always late on rent or, you know, couldn't pay for college, you know? Yeah. It's just like everybody had to have a problem. So the shield this patriotic superhero from the forties, his son takes over the, the costume and he's out looking for work. Right. And he's hanging out with his girlfriend and I don't think they ever say her, her name in here, but she works for the Zenith employment agency and Bill Higgins, who is the shield now is constantly throughout this whole issue talking about, how he doesn't have money and he goes to her and she gives him a job dressing up as the shield. Yeah, that's, that's right. The shield is getting paid to wear a costume of the shield to hand out pamphlets, but they don't ever say what the pamphlets are for. And the whole time she's like, you know, you're such a nerd, you know, you're so out of work and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I just need to make some bread. Like the whole, the whole time he just needs to make some bread. And this, this book is so full of grammatical errors. It's not even funny. Um, Whoever the editor was really needed to do their job. And most likely the small press comic, nobody even cared. Um, These were meant for kids. So you know, who who cares if they read it right? Who cares if they learn what proper grammar is, what the right proper, like the use of your, Y-O-U-R-E or Y-O-U-R or, you know, it. Uh, this book has so many problems like that. So anyway, so she gives him a job being the shield to go walk on the street to give out pamphlets, right? And um, a guy with a gun comes along. And 
um, it's a it's a it's a, like a little like a low low grade hood named uh, Nikki Starzel's Starzel, right? And Nikki Starzel pulls a gun and is like, "I can't, you know, the the underworld is going to go nuts knowing that I killed the Shield." Well, you know, the Shield doesn't walk around Hollywood Avenue dressed like the Shield. So I don't know where this is, but I'm going to assume it's like Times Square or someplace in Hollywood because. It just has that feel to it. Um, so this Bill picks up like a trash can and throws it at the guy. And and she's all like, the young hood has mistaken Bill for the real shield. But this fighting has for his life. But that's not like Bill at all. Like, no crap, right? Because everybody has a secret identity. And Bill has to be the shield, but not the shield. And he's not going to let some punk shoot him. So he's going to he's going to do whatever he, want, he can. Right. And then she's she's like, well, you you need. OK, we need to get you off the street. We You cannot wear the shield outfit when people are trying to kill you. And he's like, nonsense. No way. I'm not a failure. I might be a failure in the business world, but I'm no coward. So I'm going to sit out here and I'm going to hand out these flyers okay well why doesn't your girlfriend who works for the agency pay you hazard pay you are in the line of every crazy psycho on the street and you want to be out there just to hand out flyers you're the shield okay i get it you're the shield but this is really a stupid premise right so there are three guys who work for a group called P-E-R-I-L, Peril. And they are the supervillains, a group of villains in this story. Um, never says what Peril is an anagram for, but they're watching Bill or the fake shield on the street. And... They're like, we have a plan. Let's uh, let's bring out our newest supervillain. We made this guy in a lab. It's going to be perfect. You know, after what happened last time with the Red Shadow, this will this will completely reinvigorate us to go after this guy, right? And they create a guy, and I think I talked about this a while ago, um, the Amoeba Man. The Amoeba Man looks like a stone golem. So they put him in a teleporter and they send him right to the street, right where the shield is, right? And the whole time, unlike like Clark or Spider-Man, like Peter or anybody who has a secret identity would make their girlfriend go away, right? Not, not happening with the shield. The shield is going to fight the Amoeba Man in front of his girlfriend, in front of everybody. After she said that, you know, she's been calling him by name, first and last name, in, in public, he's going to fight this thing. And this amoeba man has the ability to, his, his body's like rubber, and he has the ability to absorb all the strength inside somebody. 
And she's like, Bill, tear loose, run, run. Forget this mad impulse to imitate the shield just because you're wearing a costume like his. Don't try to be something you're not. Break away, run. And, and he does. And the Amoeba Man, like, absorbs him into his body and runs off, right? Leaving her just dumbfounded that she might have just killed her boyfriend by making him dress up like a superhero. So the Amoeba Man takes the shield back to uh, some kind of crater, right? And in this crater is a, a little like dome that they both get into. And this comic, let me just say, has two stories in it. It's got a shield story and a hangman story. And they could have done without the hangman story and just focused on the shield because right here is where the shield and the Amoeba Man are facing off inside this glass dome. And the Amoeba Man says, the Amoeba Man, now get into the machine. It is useless to oppose my strength absorbing touch. And then a page, not even a page goes by, like a panel, right? And it says, nevertheless, the shield put up a fight. Again, his eerie foe defeats the weakened crusader and forces him into the mechanism. We don't get to see the fight. All we get to see is the word bubbles and the glass dome going into the ground. We don't get the fight because they you know they have to ran out of like pages and panels. So the sphere that appeared to be going down into the crater actually takes off into space, right? Uh, and then uh, in the in the subterranean headquarters, which you think that they were going to, no, they're they're going into space. But in the subterranean headquarters is peril, right? And they're like. Oh yeah! Remember when we cl when they're they they send a message into the capsule and they're talking to the shield, right? And, and this is the whole um, Austin Powers where he's like, "I could kill you quickly, but that would make it would mean how fun." So I'm going to give you this easily escapable trap, and you're probably going to get out of it, most likely. But you know, good luck. So they put him into orbit in this thing with the amoeba man and they're like you know we could just take your oxygen right but we're not going to do that we're just going to keep you up there in orbit without food and water how long do you think you can last in there well probably long enough for him to figure out how to get out of this stupid thing and then they start showing him like all the old like all their old defeats right and they show him like smashing this guy called the wizard right in the jaw and then he's getting frustrated in this capsule he's absolutely getting frustrated like the amoeba man is just sitting there just smirking at him and he just starts wailing on him and it's like okay and then he's like well i probably should cool down you know this isn't doing me any good well, no crap, it's not doing you any good because you're in space, you have no food, you have no water. But you still have air. So you're good, you're good there, but you probably shouldn't want to waste it, right? And then in comes, like serendipitously, in comes the wizard, like right 
on the next page. The guy that they were talking about getting clobbered by the shield breaks out of prison, finds peril, and is outraged by what they're doing. But you can always tell that this is a 60s book because they call him Wiz Baby. Yeah, Wiz Baby, yeah. And there are so many cutscenes where it just like cuts. You don't even get to see what actually happens. Um, so the wizard decides he's going to take over, right? And he paralyzes these guys for like 24 hours and takes over the control of the satellite. And he pushes it, brings it back down to earth safely. Like not even if, you know, if you're a super villain and you want to kill this guy and you, you should probably just drop it out of the sky. Just drop it out of the sky. What are you doing? I mean, it is stupid. But anyway, this guy brings it safely to the ground and he confronts him. Right? He's like, you remember last time when I kicked your butt? Right? And he's like, yeah, well, well, I now have an ame- amoeba man. And an amoeba man is on the wizard's side now. Not only is his body pliable, but apparently his brain is too, because he doesn't remember exactly who he works for. So the amoeba man jumps on the back of the shield and the shield does a judo throw, throws him into the wizard and they both fall down a small crevice. Supposedly they're dead. You know, maybe, maybe they're dead, but the, the shield goes back. He doesn't even care. He just possibly killed two people. Goes back to his girlfriend her okay her name is nancy okay that this is page i don't know 20 and they finally say nancy and nancy wants him to hang up the uniform and just find something else to do right and he's like nope i can't do that i have to make this dollar i gotta make this dollar because i don't want to be a loser in this way too and and she says something like the shield, since he has chosen to become a crusader hero, is fated to face great menaces, but it's foolish for you to expose yourself to mad dangers. In a way, I I'm glad you're not the shield. They have dropped that joke. Every page. Every page. Uh, it's a joke about how he's not the shield. But he really is. But he's not. But he is. But he's not. But it's just ridiculous. And I'm sorry, I I tried to read the Hangman story, but he has no interesting qualities. He looks like a mixture between Tiger Shark and Batman, and I can't get past the stupid suit. I know it's the 60s. I know he's a Golden Age character, but sometimes, sometimes you just can't do it, man. Sometimes you just... Sometimes the 40s characters just stay in the 40s. That is my review of The Shield, number 48. So, let's see. What else do I got? Um, Nothing. (laughs) I got nothing. Um, So, I do have some plans for the future of this show. Um, I do want to try to bring another voice into the show. Um, not sure if Kirk's coming back. Really wish he would because he was a great part of the show. Um, 
be nice to have um i was talking to scott um on our live episode and he, he said that he really appreciated like he really liked the three-person dynamic and with COVID, it's been really hard for this show um if you noticed that before we used to do episodes where we all would read the same book and we would review it together and it's been really hard to do um because we could talk about it for like a couple hours before or after the show and get it all worked out. Like I would, I'm Kirk's brother-in-law, but I'm also a friend of Ryan's at work. So I could pass off the book in between us all. But now I haven't seen Ryan in person since March. I have, I saw Kirk at Christmas, of course, in new year's, but, um, trying to get us all in the same room again is really hard also because my podcast studio is now my office uh it's my wife's and my office so trying to get us all in here put the mics up it's impossible really hope this is over this year um what else do i got um <clears throat> i do have plans for merch which would be great let me know what kind of merch you guys want. Is there like a certain something from an episode that you'd want? Like, a cause I really have ideas for some stuff for this show, which deal with the golden age heroes. Like I said, some golden age heroes, I don't like some of them. I really do. So I want to make merch out of some of them that are in the public domain and I can't get sued for it, which would be great. Cause I, I don't have the money to get sued for things. Um, I'm pushing it enough with some of the uh, music at the end of these episodes. Um, what else? Yeah, I don't have really that much. Can I go for a full half hour on absolutely nothing? Maybe. Okay. Um, what did I watch recently? Um I don't know. I I've watched so much The Grinch, it's not even funny. Um I am playing right now Mass Effect Andromeda. I actually like it. I mean, I know there are some people out there that absolutely think it's the worst of the series and yes. It's not 1, 2 or 3. It doesn't have the same storyline. It doesn't have the same characters. It just like you fall in love with everybody from the first 3 and then they're just gone. And then you have to start over with new ones. And the characterization in this one doesn't seem as good as the other ones, but the action, the the controls, everything is still there. Just kind of like the characters is gone. And I really miss the Normandy. Like the new ship is okay, but the Normandy was classic, right? And really wish they would bring that back. Oh, yeah, they are, because there's Mass Effect 5 coming out. I forgot. Is there anything else I've been watching? Uh, I finished up the Filmation's Ghostbusters, which I really like. I mean, I like the the updating of the 1960s, 1970s TV show. I watched all of the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon again. It's really sad when you think about that they never get out of there. You know, the whole time they're just like, we need to find a way home. Yeah, well, you never are. You're probably stuck in some tomb still looking for a way out. 
and I really want to get back into board games again. I mean, I spent so much money on board games before the end of uh, last year that I really want to start doing that again. Um, I picked up Horrified. I picked up all the Arkham. I picked up a lot of Arkham Horrors. I picked up another Choose Your Own Adventure one. I picked up a Escape Room one. Those Escape Room ones didn't really work out. I mean, we did do one before, but I really kind of want to do one again. Just see if we can do it. You know, maybe if we actually just go, I, maybe we could all just go to an escape room and we could record our escape room. You know, that'd be fun too. But the problem is we went to a superhero one and we couldn't do anything like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be really fun. Like, like, I have a lot of ideas for doing different stuff in the show. And I think it'd be really fun to do out-of-the-box stuff because everybody does a comic book show. Everybody does... Um, does like reviews does uh does board game reviews does stuff and i'm trying to find some way that we could do something completely different and i think it would be really fun to think outside the box for this show i mean do we focus on one thing do we not i don't know i mean what are we what are we gonna do all right on that note we're out Power Records presents The Monster of Frankenstein. A solitary figure climbed higher and higher. Finally, his legs grew weary, and he sought refuge in a cave. There, Victor Frankenstein began to search his mind for an answer to a terrifying problem. How had his experiment for the betterment of all mankind gone awry? Why? He had created a monster, and his creation had to be destroyed. But as he sat, he failed to notice another sinister presence at the mouth of the cave until it was too late, far too late. You! Yes, and for your crime against nature, Victor Frankenstein, you must die. No! Animals fear fire, and so should you. If only I can reach my gun. First you burn me, then you shoot me. Good Lord, the bullet barely faced him. Don't! Please! Let me explain. Explain? How will you explain, Frankenstein? Look at me, at what I am. No, there will be no explanation. Save for mine. And when I have finished, you will pay with your life. But for us, there must be an explanation of how all this came to be. How did Victor Frankenstein come to create the monster who now terrified him? He came from a wealthy family, and they were all there to bid him farewell. His fiancée, Elizabeth, his younger brother, William, his father, and his best friend, Clerval. I shall miss you, dearest Elizabeth. Take care and Godspeed. Study hard, dear Victor. Gentlemen, the coach is packed and ready. And so the aspiring young scientist left for the University of Geneva. Victor will do well if his ambition doesn't block his path. Frankenstein did well indeed. Your work is outstanding, my boy. And today we begin the dissection of human cadavers. With each lesson, Frankenstein became more and more impatient to delve ever deeper into the mysteries of the human body. By the end of his third year, he was prepared to embark upon the darkest voyage into the unknown in the history of mankind. Any place that harbored an undamaged corpse became the haunt of a possessed Victor Frankenstein. Night after night, he dragged his grisly loot to his secluded laboratory, 
until at last his project neared completion. I've worked nearly six months, but if I succeed, as I know I must, I will have created human life from that which was dead and bridged the final gap which leads to immortality. There, the final injection. Now, I can only wait and wait and wait. It's not moving, not even breathing. Live, last you, live! Frankenstein stared at the monster's lifeless form. Then, overcome with disappointment, he turned back to his notes. My God! It's alive! No, it's true! I've created a living being from various parts of the dead. I'll be famous! I'll... Wait. It's rising. Walking toward me. Staring at me. Those eyes. Those horrible, glowing yellow eyes. Filled with hatred. Hatred of me! No! Stay away! I created you! Do you hear? You must obey me! But the creature would not obey. It continued to advance on its creator, until in total panic Frankenstein fled, in mortal fear of the thing he himself had created. Trembling, the exhausted doctor fell into a deep, fitful sleep. Hours later, sensing an unseen presence, he bolted upright to see the creature hovering menacingly over his bed. Paralyzed with fright, Frankenstein watched his creation as it gestured toward him, and he knew this monstrosity must be destroyed. Desperate, the doctor lashed out. Get away from me! You hear? Keep back! But the velocity of the chair striking the creature's rock-hard skin was like a matchstick striking a boulder, and far more serious. Frankenstein had established himself as the creature's enemy. Nothing phases the creature. Have to get away! Escape! And so Frankenstein ran for his life. He fled into the rain-swept darkness, his fear too great to allow him to stop. But finally the body overcame the mind, and he collapsed on the cold, wet earth. As dawn stole across the lawn where he rested... Victor! In heaven's name, what are you doing here? Open your eyes, man. Clerval! Thank God you're here! Clerval took his delirious friend to his own hotel room, where he hovered between life and death for many weeks. It has been a long ordeal, Victor. But the crisis has passed. Therefore, much as it grieves me, my first words to you must be those of greatest sorrow. My friend, your younger brother, William, he's been murdered. And your father's young ward, Justine Moritz, has been charged. William, dead? And poor Justine? Good Lord, I must go to father. The journey back to Geneva was long and painful for Victor Frankenstein. Could the monster, and not poor Justine, have murdered William in an act of revenge? Even in the arms of his beloved Elizabeth, he found it impossible to erase the creature from his thoughts. I can't believe Justine guilty. It is difficult for all of us, Victor. But the facts. She was found clutching William's pendant only a few feet from where he was murdered. Tell me, Father, is it not possible the murderer placed the pendant in Justine's grasp while she slept? What sort of being could commit so heinous a crime... Then blame it on an innocent girl. And even as his father asked the question, Frankenstein knew the answer. I knew it! Was certain of it! And now my most terrible suspicions are confirmed. The creature lives and seeks revenge! But I must stop him! I must! What is it, Victor? Why did you bolt from the room? I saw someone peering in the window. But these tracks show that he got away. When... when will Justine be hanged, Father? Tomorrow believe. There's no hope for her. 
And so Justine Moritz was hanged, died at the age of 21 for a crime she did not commit before the glazed eyes of a tortured Victor Frankenstein. The monster had laid his trap perfectly, and two innocent people now lay dead. The next morning, Frankenstein packed and departed into the mountains, in hope that the jagged peaks would grant him refuge from the horrors of the world below. But the very monster he dreaded, having followed him, now confronted Victor Frankenstein in his mountain refuge. Listen to me, Victor Frankenstein. You constructed my body piece by piece, created me against all the laws of God and man, gave me life only to... No! No! Desert me! Leave me alone and helpless. Please, believe me. I didn't know what I was doing when I created you. But you did create me. And survive, I did. For days I wandered through the dense forests. It would have been easy for me to collapse and die, but I refused. Finally, on the tenth day, fate intervened. A huge bear came out of a thicket toward me. Weak with hunger, but strong with the desire to live, I fought him. And in the end, it was I who survived. Yes, I survived. Finally, food. It gave me the strength I needed. Deeper and deeper into the mountains I trudged. The loneliness became far more difficult to bear than the mere pangs of hunger. Then one day, I came upon a small cottage in the clearing, and I prayed it would be my salvation. For several days, I hid at the edge of the forest and watched its inhabitants. A blind old man and his daughter and son-in-law. I watched, observed, and learned... The three people became my friends, though of course they did not know of my presence. Oh, how I yearned to go to them, to tell them I was their friend. But it was impossible. I remained hidden, watching and listening, gradually beginning to learn the basics of their language. The winter passed slowly, but my learning process continued. Under cover of darkness, I did chores for them. I don't understand, Father. Who would do this for us, and why? Such good fortune is not for us to question, my son. Finally, as the snows began to melt, I watched the couple bid the old man farewell. We will return within a week, Father. Will you be all right here, alone? But of course, my dear. Have a good trip, and do not worry about me. This was the opportunity I'd waited for, the chance to make a friend. The old man was blind. I argued with myself, so he'd have no reason to fear me. But as I struggled to make a fateful decision, fate herself, in the form of a starving, salivating wolf, made my decision for me. Without the slightest hesitation, I bolted from my shelter and ran toward the house. The snarling beast crashed through the window. I've never known such anguish. Only a few yards away, a frail, sightless old man was fighting for his very life. And if he lost, then so would I. When I reached the cabin door, I discovered the door was locked. Summoning all the strength that remained within me, I prepared for one final assault. The door gave way. I rushed toward the bloodthirsty creature and pulled it from my friend, snapping its wretched neck in the same swift motion. I turned to the moaning, bleeding old man and prayed that his life would be spared. For three days I sat vigil with him, treating his wounds and begging him to live. Then, miraculously, on the fourth day, he spoke 
Who are you? I have sensed your presence, noticed your kindness to me. But up to now, I've been too weak to say thank you. My eyes filled with tears of gladness as the old man talked. At last I had made a friend, at least until the others returned. You are kind. The next two days were the happiest of my miserable life. We talked, we became close, but I knew it was too good to last. Tomorrow my family will arrive, and I can hardly wait for them to meet you, my friend. I froze at the very thought of their return. Early the next morning, they came. By the saints! What sort of thing is that? In the cottage with your father. Stay here, my love, and pray that I am not too late to save him. Get away from him! He's just a blind old man! No! Wait! You do not understand. I am... There was no reasoning with him. His eyes were glazed with disgust and hatred as he advanced on me with the axe. I wanted to scream out, to explain to them, but there was no time. Kill it! In God's name, someone help us! Kill it! I fled, her words ringing in my ears as I ran into the forest. Kill it! Kill it! Not him, but it! Once more I was alone, totally alone, and in that brief instant, I learned the meaning of the word hate. Yes, hate, Victor Frankenstein. And in that moment of my greatest despair, it was upon you that I swore vengeance. You, who are the cause of all my pain and grief, of all my loneliness. At last, I found you, Frankenstein. And now, you die. Go ahead, kill me. I deserve no better fate. You want to die? Then I will make you live. Live and suffer as I have. Slowly, almost gently, the monster let his creator slide to the stone floor. Then, as Frankenstein wept uncontrollably, the monster once again spoke. Farewell, Dr. Frankenstein. When you are feeling sorry for yourself, for the grief you have known and will know, Remember what I have suffered has been a thousand times greater. It was a shaken Victor Frankenstein who arrived back in Geneva, only to find that the monster's threats were all true. Not only had his best friend Clerval died under mysterious circumstances, but even more grievous news awaited him. Elizabeth's been murdered, and your father, I'm afraid he's dying. And so the old man was. The news of Elizabeth's death had been too much for him. His father, Clerval, Elizabeth, all dead. It was more than the grief-stricken Victor could bear. Shortly after the funeral, he was placed in an asylum for an indefinite period of time. After several months, he gained his release. You have progressed, Victor. I only pray this obsession will not yet destroy you. It will not, Doctor. It will only destroy the thing which nearly destroyed me. And so Victor Frankenstein set forth to find and destroy the monster he had created. Now the lust for revenge was his, and it consumed and possessed him completely. More than a month passed without so much as a trace of his quarry, until finally he saw something move far in the distance. At last the trail had grown warm. His burning lust for revenge pushed him to and beyond the limit where normal men would fall. The end was drawing ever closer. He found footprints, footprints which could only have been left by the monster he saw. A final burst of strength coursed through him. He was close now, closer than he'd ever been. Suddenly, the two adversaries caught sight of one another. The shell of the man who was Victor Frankenstein advanced, 
Now, cursed beast. Revenge will be mine. The air was split by a sharp cracking sound. The sound of an icebreak. The deadly gaping jaws had opened wide. In an instant, the monster was engulfed by the icy black waters of the Arctic. Down he plummeted. The end was at hand. In a way, Victor Frankenstein had been cheated of his final satisfaction. But perhaps it was only right that such a creature should die at nature's hand, for its very existence had been an affront to her sovereignty. Death did not come easily. He battled her grim assault for as long as his lungs would allow. But in the end, he sucked the freezing salty waters inward, and peace at last was his. His. 